Welcome, guys. Glad to have you here with us. It's awesome. I know. Hey, North Platte, you were freaking out because I was like stalled for a second. You didn't know what was going to happen. That was a little trick. It was a little conspiracy. Like maybe the government like shut up our audio, right? And they weren't going to let us preach anymore. Ogallala, you're okay. You guys are holding on. All right. Cool. Cool. It takes a lot longer to get to Ogallala, by the way, the signal. So they probably didn't even get that part. Um, Just messing around, just messing around. Hey, my name's Jeff. If you're a guest here with us, I want to say welcome to you. If you're worshiping with us online right now for your very first time, thank you so much for joining us. Everybody that's here today listening to my voice is here for the last week. I know that's not very encouraging to hear that you're here for the last week of something, but that also means that you're here one week before we start something new. That's the encouraging way to say it. Yeah. Next week, we start something new together, and you're here the week before that. Good job. You guys are the early show. You guys show up to things early. Good job. So if you're here, this is your first time with us. We're wrapping up a teaching series. We entitled it Conspiracy Theory. Uh, it's a little weird, <clears throat> a little weird uh, idea, uh, but I just want you to know, I wrote this back in like October of 2019. Had no idea that the timing of the idea Conspiracy Theory would be such a hot topic here in 2020 when we're going through this. But we know one who did. We know one who did. And this conspiracy theory idea is just a hook. That's all it is. It hooks you and it it causes you to go, what in the world are these guys going to talk about? And so if you were here week one, all right, week one, Pastor Nate kicked off the series in his fashion, bringing it, right? And he talked about how, he talked about the conspiracy of Jesus only, And this idea that's alive out there in our world where there's multiple ways to get to heaven. There are multiple gods, right? And all of these types of things. And we debunked that back to the truth, which is Jesus only. The next week we looked at the conspiracy of grace. And my friend the alien showed up. And you guys graciously accepted that moment and you're still here. Thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, he got released from Area 51 because his cousin Steve got COVID and he was going on vacation to Disney World. Right, you remember that? That was the important stuff from the message. Um, the conspiracy of grace. And if you weren't here for that, go back online and watch it, okay? Because I, I tackle the truth of what grace really is. Uh, the conspiracy of sin. Pastor Dave brought it, right? He came all the way from North Platte here, delivered the message, the conspiracy of sin, and helped us understand what the truth of God's word really is saying about this. Last week, I tackled a very difficult topic, the conspiracy of hell. Um, my, my friend Bigfoot showed up from Area 51 as well, remember that? His same cousin Steve and Chewbacca, you, got it. you guys remember the whole story. And you're still here again. So, There's not much that we can do to really drive you away other than in all of our campuses right now, there's a Loch Ness Monster floating in the baptism tank. Maybe it's this way in North Platte in Ogallala. It's this way in Kearney. Um, He's not real, but he is from Area 51. He got released because his cousin Steve got COVID. So you guys get the whole story. You, You guys understand what's going on here. The secular perspective, the secular expectation when they heard the, the title conspiracy theory was thinking that I was going to tackle things other than what I just listed. The secular mind would have thought, well, I don't know what he's going to do, but he's going to have to tackle things like UFOs and Bigfoot and government cover-ups and the Illuminati. And if he's not going to cover those things, then maybe he's going to speak about, you know, the current 
uh, conspiracy theories that are running rampant, you know, in our culture today, which have to do about the coronavirus and political agendas and a deep state, you know, manipulation that's going on. And that's not where we were going at all. In fact, I think that it's easy for us as humans to get caught up in these conspiracy theories and chase these things and waste a lot of our time, waste a lot of our attention, uh, waste, waste a lot of our energy that could be used in other places. Um, you know, the current conspiracies that are out there right now that I'm not going to even address or talk about, I just have one thing to say about them. If there is any truth to any of them, here's what I know about truth. Truth eventually comes out. And so that's why I don't get too excited about conspiracy theories, right? Because I don't need to spend my time being the detective trying to figure out something that most likely I can never get to the bottom of. If there's any truth, truth seems to come to the surface. And guess what I can do? And what I would suggest for you to do in the midst of this conspiracy theory world that we live in, wait for the truth to come out. <clears throat> and that way, you can spend all of your energy and all of your time investing into God's kingdom versus chasing some little pipe lie that may end up in a dead end and go nowhere. And guys, you do realize that conspiracy theories are nothing new um, to our current society. No, there's nothing new. Now, we have some mechanisms called social media, the internet, right, newsprint, and a number of different things, radio, that we can spread conspiracy theories much quicker, but there's nothing new under the sun. Even the prophet Isaiah, back in the Old Testament, was speaking to, watch this, he was speaking to a group of unbelievers, unbelieving Jews, and he said these words to them about conspiracy theories. Take a look at this. In Isaiah chapter 8, I've been hanging on to this verse, by the way, for the entire series, waiting for this week. Isaiah chapter 8, he says this, don't call everything a conspiracy like they do. Pause for a second, like they do. Who is the they do? He was speaking to these unbelieving Jews, these Jews who did not believe that God was for them, these Jews who did not believe that God was leading them, right? They thought something else was going on. He says, don't call everything a conspiracy like they do, and don't live in dread of what frightens them. Make the Lord of heaven's armies holy in your life. He is the one that you should fear. He is the one who should make you tremble. Guys, like this is still true for today. Don't get caught up. This is just like a side note to today's message. Don't get caught up in all the conspiracy theories that are out there in our world today. Isaiah would say the same words to you as he's saying to those unbelievers. Unbelievers chase these conspiracy theories. They get all fearful about them. They get all stirred up about them. He says, look, that's not, that's not the things you should put your energy and effort into. We should be putting our energy and effort into seeking God. We should be the ones that we, we fear him more than we fear anything else. We shouldn't let conspiracy theories cause any fear in us. We should let the holiness of God, the righteousness of God, cause a fear and cause us to tremble. If we're going to tremble over anything, tremble over the fact that God is holy and he is the creator of all things, the ender of all things. He is the ultimate judge over our lives. So don't get caught. That's the warning. The warning is don't get caught up in this conspiracy theory culture that we live in right now. And don't let it stir fear in you. Instead, put your gaze towards God. Get your eyes on him, guys. And you'll weather the storms of all of these ridiculous conspiracy theories that are out there. I wanted to do this series because I wanted to attack 
what the enemy's trying to do to our world. The enemy's trying to deceive, kill, steal, destroy, and he's trying to do it in the minds of believers. Right now, he's trying to do it in the minds and the hearts of those who are seekers of him. He's trying to warp the truth of who God is and the truth behind God's word. Those are the conspiracy theories that we wanted to tackle. Because those conspiracy theories, if you believe those lies versus all of these, this other craziness that's in our media today, if you believe the lies the enemy's spewing about who God is and about his word, those lies can actually keep you from eternity with God in heaven. And we wanted to debunk those. Because those are the ones that change, they can change you forever. Today I want to talk to you about the conspiracy of life after death. The lie is this, that there isn't anything after this life. You know, you only live once. Anybody ever heard the slang statement, YOLO? You only live once. You don't hear it a lot anymore. It was popular a few years ago, but it's still ingrained into the heart of humanity because the enemy is the one who's depositing that lie inside of us. That lie also breeds, you know, concepts and ideas that, you know, you want to just do whatever you want to do um, because you only get one chance at it called this life. Um, it also drives home this lie that you, you should only look out for you because this is all you have is this right now. So look out for you. Be selfish for you. You know, get what you want. Whatever the cost is, it doesn't matter because you only live once anyway. So it all comes back to centralizing you as the deity of the world. When there is no life after death, you become the deity. You become the God that you worship and that you adore and that you feed. You become the monster itself that you, you look out for you and you only. And when there isn't anything to hope for beyond this world, then these kinds of things start breaking down. Purpose starts to suffer. And you see it in our society today. Because there is no hope for life after death for so many in our world that there is no purpose they just do whatever they want. They do whatever comes to their mind. Depression rises in a society where there's no hope for life after death. And it's easy to become overwhelmed with everything that's going on in this world. And it's easy to think that why not just take, take my life and cut it short? Why not just take others' lives and cut it short? Right? Because why would I want to live in this depressive state when this is the only moment that I get? Self-destruction in increases. And you see it in society. You see self-destruction continuing to go on the rise. Self-destruction with violence, drugs, alcohol, sex, on and on and on. Self-destructive mindsets are what is kind of like the, the norm right now. Because there is no hope for life after death. Hate and anger, they, they tend to rule the society when there is no hope for life after death. True love vanishes when there is no hope for life after death, and it all becomes a selfish love for me, me, me. The foundation of truth has no anchor. When there is no life and there's no hope for life after death, truth has no anchor. Truth, it's, it's irrelevant to you, to whatever you're dealing with, to whatever you're walking through, whatever your moment is, however you feel. And it can be right for you, and it can be right for you, and it can be right for you, and th that's just ludicrous. But that's what happens when hope of life after death decreases in, a, in the humanity. These are the things that you see increase. 
And if you think that you're a Christian and you're immune to it, you're not. Because in Christianity, the enemy is loving to deceive Christians with the same lie, although he packages it just a little different way. And when Christians get caught up in this lie that there is no life after death, here's the way it works out. We start to doubt God's power when we're going through difficult situations. We start to doubt that God really is in control. Because when we start to doubt, when the enemy can get us there, then, we can, then he can get us to start doubting that everything else that's true about God is a lie. And we start thinking, the, the trail goes like this. Well, God, you're not powerful enough to t- take care of this situation. <clears throat> then maybe you're not powerful enough to take care of this world. And, and maybe, maybe you were never powerful enough to create it all. And maybe you're not powerful enough to create a heaven. And maybe you were not powerful enough to forgive me of my sins. And then maybe you're not even powerful enough to exist. And it goes on. The rabbit trail just goes deeper and deeper and deeper. And Christians can get caught up in that lie early on. Maybe they don't take the whole trail, but they're down the trail a little ways. Christians get caught up in this idea that that, you know, there, maybe there isn't any life after death. And what happens is this, that we start thinking that we forget that, that the earth is temporary. And we start thinking that the earth is everything. This earth is temporary. It was never built by God to last forever. Nor was your life built to last forever. My treasure isn't being built on this earth. This earth doesn't last forever. Should I take care of what God gave us? Absolutely. Take care of everything that God gave you. But our hope, when our hope gets turned into something that's temporal, then we are believing the lie that, you know, life after death isn't all that grand. Like, maybe this is better. That's exactly where the enemy wants you to get. He wants you to get your eyes on the temporal and get your eyes off of the eternal. We can also get caught up in living for now. Like now, now matters more than eternity. We get all stirred up over the things of now. And I get it. I'm with you. Like, I've been in that same situation. And I'm probably going to be back there again, just like you. But somehow we have to, re- we have, to have a, a, a mechanism to remind ourselves that now is not that important in light of eternity. Now is like a speck on the strand of time called eternity. Now will go away. Now burns up in the past. And all too often, Christians believe the lie that there isn't this life after death that is so grand that I should be living my life for it today, and they start storing up their treasure here on earth. One of the ways that Christians do that is by withholding their tithe for God. When you withhold your tithe from God, what you're saying is this. I'm not so sure that life after death is all that great. I think I like life before death better. And so I'm going to take all of my tithe and spend it on life before death. Then I am going to be obedient and invested into God's kingdom, which turns around and wins more souls for life after death. So if you're caught in that little scenario right there, you might just be, you might just be caught up in the lie, believing what the enemy's conspiracy is, that there isn't anything really better than this life. That's what happens, guys. I'm just being brutally honest with you, right? I'm your pastor. I might be a little chubby, but I love you. I love you enough to tell you what the truth is. So today, how do we debunk this concept of, you know, maybe there really isn't anything better than this life. Maybe there isn't life after death. 
Well, to do that, we're going to look solely at the words of Jesus. We're going to look at four different things that Jesus had to say about it. And I think your mind's going to be blown away. I think your heart's going to be encouraged. I think you're going to walk away today with like, wow, that's great. That's good news. The first one is this. Jesus had a friend. His name was Lazarus. Lazarus dies. Lazarus has two sisters, Mary and Martha. Jesus hears about it a couple of days too late. He wasn't able to show up. Mary and Martha really wanted Jesus to be there while Lazarus was alive and pray for him because they believed that Jesus could heal him. They, said, they thought to themselves, if Lazarus was still alive when Jesus shows up, Lazarus has hope. But no, Lazarus died. And because Lazarus died, Mary and Martha started to worry about, well, what would the future be for Lazarus? Jesus shows up, and this is what Jesus has to say to them about life after death. Listen to this. Jesus told her, okay, speaking to Martha, Jesus told Martha, I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live even after dying. Everyone who lives in me and believes in me will never, ever die. Then he goes, do you believe this, Martha? Guys, what I love about it is this. What is the, like, what's the big statement that's here in this passage? Is it that you know, whoever believes in me will never die? That's actually not even the big statement because what, what, what backs that up? Like what really brings the power that allows Jesus to say this? It's when he says this, I am the resurrection. When Jesus says that he is the resurrection, that's the game-changing statement in that whole passage. And a lot of times we just read right over it because we don't understand it and we can't grasp it. We don't know what he's really meaning by this. Because Jesus hasn't died on the cross and gone into the grave and rose from the dead yet. What does he mean that he is the resurrection? Well, the word, the word resurrection literally means this. Stand up. Say that with me. Stand up. Stand up. The word resurrection is to stand up. Death lost its power for you and me. We know this. When Jesus gave up his life on the cross, he went into the grave and he stood up. He rose again from the dead. That's when, that's when death lost his power. It's like a, an illustration of a boxing match. And these two, these two dudes are boxing it out in round three. One of them lays this a hard hit on the guy's jaw and the other boxer drops to the ground. And the referee walks over and he starts counting out the 10 count. One, two, three, right? All the way, seven, eight. And on nine, boxer jumps back up to his feet and goes on to win the entire battle. That's him standing up. He stood up and then he went on to defeat Defeat his adversary. And this is exactly what Jesus did in the resurrection. They shut the tomb. Everybody thought it was over. The 10 count was being given. And on number nine, Jesus stood up and he conquered death, hell, and the grave. But, but listen to this. Jesus didn't say that he was going to be the resurrection, did he? He says what? I am the resurrection. This wasn't something that Jesus was going to do. Jesus was saying, I am. I've already stood up. Don't worry about it. I am the giver of life. I, that's who I am. He goes, I am God, right? I've always been the resurrection. I have always been life. Man, he didn't need the grave to prove, to prove that point that he was the resurrection, but he chose the cross to prove his love for you and for me. Guys, what we should do is we should never, ever forget that Jesus wasn't kept down. 
and neither will you be kept down. So it doesn't matter how difficult life gets. You're not going to get kept down. It doesn't matter how challenging a situation becomes. You're not going to be kept down. It doesn't matter how crazy our world gets. You will not be kept down because Jesus stood up. One day you get to stand up as well because he is life. And then Jesus brings this one question to Martha that he still brings to you today. Do you believe this? That's critical. Do you believe this? It's one thing to rationalize it. That's not what he was asking. He wasn't asking a mental thought to her like, are you sure you believe this? Have I convinced you enough? So she was probably confused by the fact that he says, I am the resurrection as well. All she cared about was what? Is Lazarus going to come alive again? He was asking here, do you believe this? Church, it starts first here. Do you believe that Jesus is the resurrection? Now we are post the cross. We have the rest of the story. We weren't like Martha pre-cross. We're post the cross. And what Jesus asks of each and every one of us is if, look, if you want life after death, then he goes, look, I want you to believe in me. Believe that I have always been and that I was and that I will forever be the resurrection. I am life. That's the first thing Jesus says. That's the character and the nature of God. He is life. Then Jesus was teaching another day. And he, and he said this to a group of people in John chapter 5. He goes, look, I tell you the truth. Those who listen to my message and they believe in God who sent me have eternal life. They will never, <clears throat> they will never be condemned for their sins, but they have already passed from death into life. Now, hold on. Did, did you hear what just happened right there? He goes, look, look, listen, those who listen to my message and they believe in God who sent me, they have what? Eternal life. And their sins will never condemn them. But then he said this powerful statement. Look what he said. <clears throat> but he goes, but they what? Have already passed from death into life. That's interesting. Hold on. These people haven't physically died. How did these people pass from death into life? Here's what Jesus is driving home. He's driving home that eternal life has already started for the believer. On this earth, by the way. That eternal life isn't something for the believer that you have to wait for physical death for life after death. No, Jesus is making a radical statement now. Now he's going, hold on. There is life after death spiritually that when you lay your life down, life resurrects in you and eternity with me starts right then. When did eternity with God start for you? Was it a month ago? Was it a year ago? Was it 10 years ago? What was the date that you surrendered your life to Jesus Christ? Because the date you surrendered your life to Jesus Christ is when the time clock on eternity with God started. Now look, if that's the case, how much different should we actually be living? We should be living radically different. Because your reward with God was already deposited in your heart through salvation, guys. The reward is there. And it's compounding on itself. And one day in heaven, the compound interest gets deposited into your heart. You know compound interest? Do you understand that? Because if you don't and you're young, get this now. You put $50 a month 
like into a savings account that doesn't earn interest like we have today, but earns interest like maybe we'll have somewhere in our future, one day your $50 that you put in because of interest turns into $100. Now, how many of you guys would like an extra $50 free? That's kind of compound interest. Nobody wants it? I'll take all of it. Then one day you deposit $50 in that month, and guess what shows up on the statement? $500. Now, how many of you guys would like that? That's more encouraging, isn't it? Of course it is. But if you still don't like it, come talk to me. All right, I can tell you what the account numbers at New Life are, and you can just send it all there. Compounding interest is exciting. I love compounding interest. I love the fact that I put my money in there, and my interest goes to work for me, and more comes back. Let me just tell you this. Jesus says that eternal life with him already started. You keep investing into your relationship with God today by seeking him, reading his words, spending time in prayer, being obedient and tithing, going on global outreach trips, serving in ministry, worshiping God faithfully. Let me tell you, one day when this physical life is over and we stand before Jesus in heaven because there is nothing that compares to that, all of a sudden the compounding interest instantaneously gets deposited into your account called your heart. And you're going to be thankful. And it's going to be a good day. And you're going to go, I am so glad that I said yes to Jesus. So guys, be encouraged. Your faith activates eternity with God on this earth. So don't waste it on you alone. Because eternity with God has started, be radical for Jesus. Because eternity with God has started, you've got nothing to lose. Because eternity with God has already started, go all in. Don't hold back. Get hungrier for Jesus every day. Get more passionate for Jesus every Sunday you show up. Give yourself to Jesus a little bit more every time you meet with him. That's the journey he wants us to go on. Why? Because for him, he's going, I get to spend eternity with you. And I love that. And when we wake up to that, the good news of it just causes us to go all in. For Jesus. That's not where he stopped though. Again, I want to draw your attention back to a very famous passage when Jesus was teaching another day and he spoke these famous words. For God loved the world so much that he gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish, read the last words with me, but have eternal life. We have dissected this passage of scripture forward and backward throughout this teaching series. Have you noticed that John 3.16 has shown up in this teaching series more than any other scripture? Have you wondered to yourself, why do they keep going back to that simple scripture? When you're combating conspiracy theories, here's what's, here's what's the good news about Jesus. You go back to the anchor verses because they, don't, they never change. Doesn't matter what conspiracy you're facing, you go back to the anchor verses because they keep bringing the truth. This week, what really stands out to me from John 3.16 that I wanted you to hear was this, that whoever believes in him would not perish but have eternal life. And you know what that tells me? God's the one that designed life after death. He's the one that designed it. And, I, there's, and that's why Satan is attacking it so hard in our culture today. Because he hates God. He doesn't want heaven to be populated. Heaven's created for you. He wants hell to be populated because hell was created for him. And he wants to take as much of God's creation with him there. He hates God. He, wants, he doesn't want to see this happen. 
He doesn't want to see people spend eternity and have eternal life with God. He wants to pull as many people as he can away. But guys, God, I, I want you to know this today. God's got the greatest gravity in the universe. And God's been pulling on the heart of man ever since the beginning, ever since man took his first breath. And he's still pulling on your heart today. God created you to love you. He sent Jesus to show his love and to prove his love to you. He created heaven so that he can share his love with you for eternity. And he sent his Holy Spirit to whisper into your earthly heart how much he really loves you. I'm telling you today, God's got the most intense gravity and he's pulling you towards himself. And to fight against that takes all the energy and all the effort that is within you to fight against it. It's a, it's a tedious battle. It wears people out. They, you physically see the work of sin on people's face. You see it on their countenance as they grow older. You see the difference. Look around this world and you'll easily see the difference. It takes all of your energy to fight against the gravity of God. Let me help you grasp how intense the gravity of God is by doing this simple science experiment. Look, here, here's what I researched. I found this out. You want to escape the earth's gravity? Then all you got to do, all you have to do, it's very simple. You just have to travel seven miles per second. That's it. Seven miles. Seven miles. That's all you got to do. Pretty simple, isn't it? This is what we overcome when we send spacecraft out of the Earth's atmosphere. To overcome the Earth's gravity, that's what they have to do. Okay, so that's why they're so big. That's why there's so much rocket fuel. Now, what if you, were on the, what if you could stand on the surface of the sun? Just dream with me for a minute, will you? Don't email me and go, that's impossible. You should never use illustrations that are impossible. Just look at the lock this monster for a second, okay? 400 miles per second. Now, if you could stand, if you could stand on the event horizon right before drifting into a black hole, you would have to go greater than the speed of light, by the way, which is 186,282 miles per second. No problem. You just got to go 186, 283. That's all you got to do. Just one more. And you can escape the gravity. What am I trying to say? God created the earth. God created the sun. If there actually are black holes, God created them. That's how intense his gravity is. How much more intense is his gravity towards you as he's pulling you towards himself? This is his creation. What about the creator? I'm telling you, it is intense, the gravity that God has as he's pulling humanity to himself because he loves you and he desires you and he wants life with you after death. But listen to this. You can never go the speed of light right now. And many people would say we'll never be able to go the speed of light. I hope we can go faster than the speed of light someday. I think it would be awesome. Right? I'll dream that dream. Why not? Why, why, why say no? All right? But right now you can't. You can't go the speed of light, so you get sucked into a black hole. But in God's infinite wisdom, God gave you the ability to go fast enough to escape his gravity. Now maybe you're asking the same question I'm asking. Why? Why would you do that? He gave you free will. Free will has enough power to escape the gravity of God. But that's the way God wanted it. Because God wanted you to choose him because you wanted to choose him. God wanted you to see how good and how great he was, and he wanted you to surrender to him instead of you being a robot that couldn't escape the gravity of God. 
So today, if you're sitting here with your free will and it is absent of a relationship with Jesus Christ, my encouragement to you is this, surrender today, submit yourself to Christ. Because one day death comes. Will there be life after death for you? The only way that happens is when you engage your free will and you go, God, I surrender. I surrender to your gravity. And I lay my life down to you. I want to stop the fight. I want to follow you. It really doesn't matter how far you've gone. You can surrender to God's gravity no matter where you're at in life. Listen to what Jesus said about life after death to a criminal as they hung on the cross together. Jesus replies to a criminal, I assure you today you'll be with me in paradise. Two criminals hung on both sides of Jesus. One of them says, don't forget me. Don't forget me when you enter into your kingdom. And Jesus says to him, don't worry about it. Today, you'll be with me in life after death. What does that tell me about Jesus? Guys, life after death is a free gift for everyone. Nobody gets left out. If a criminal can receive life after death in his last words, how much more can you receive the free gift of eternal life, life after death? Don't believe the lie of Satan. Don't believe that lie. Hold on to the truth of who God is. Guys, eternity with God could start this very day for you, and if it hasn't, already started then it can start like this very second if it had already started man maximize it right go bold for God go all in if eternity with God's already started there should be nothing that we hold back today at New Life Church 13 people are going all in and they're saying this Jesus Christ is my Lord and he's my leader and they're taking a bold step of water baptism at at both of our campuses at Kearney and in North Platte that's exciting. No one is getting baptized in Ogallala right now, but we're expecting for people to get baptized in Ogallala the next time that we do water baptisms. But 13 people are going, look, eternity with God had already started at my day of salvation, and now I'm just making it public and I'm going bold for God. My question for you today is this. Since eternity has already started for many of you, will you worship God more boldly than you ever have before today? If eternity with God has not started for you, will you, will you receive the free gift of life after death today by surrendering your, your life to the gravity of God and saying, yes, Jesus, I want you to be my Lord and I want you to be my leader? Guys, life after death is greater than life on this earth. So let's worship the creator today. Let's give him everything. Let's go all out for him. Let's be passionate for him. I don't know what that looks like for you. That might be singing for the first time. That might be at a moment of just raising your hands as an act of surrender to God. It might be kneeling down at the steps at the front of our auditorium or kneeling down at the altars in North Platte or kneeling down at the steps in Ogallala. It could be making where you are. It could make your seat an altar where you just meet with God and it's you and him and you connect with God in a, in a powerful way. I just want to encourage you today. Life after death is real Jesus is life. Eternity with God as a believer starts the day you surrender your life to Jesus. So let's go bold. Let's go all in and let's worship God. Let's worship him with everything we have. This is no game. Life after death is real. There's either life after death or there's death after death. And I want you to experience life after death. Why don't you stand with me and let's pray. After I get done praying... Our campus pastors are going to be stepping up and they're going to be kind of leading 
in what's going to be happening next with water baptism. So let's pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you that you give us the hope that what we're experiencing here on this earth isn't where it all ends. But this is just where it begins. This is where you give us the ability with free will to surrender our life to you and to go all in. This is where you give us the freedom to worship you with everything we have or to hold something back in reserve, which I got a feeling that we're not going to be happy about that. Lord, there's conspiracy theories running crazy in our land today. Don't let our church and our people get caught up in the fear of those things. But if we're, if we're going to do anything, God, let's remind, remind ourselves that you are holy and let's press into you. Let's, re, let's remind ourselves that if there's anything to fear in this life, it's the fear, the judgment of a holy, righteous God. And so, Lord, that would drive us to live our lives right before you. That would drive us to be passionate for you. That would drive us to maximize life after death. That life would start today for us. Lord, thank you for this church. Thank you for these 13 people that are committing their life to you in in baptism, making a bold statement that they love you, that they've been following you, and that you are their Lord and their Savior. And today, we celebrate that with them as well. So Lord, show up at all three campuses. Show up in people's homes right now. In Jesus' powerful name, amen.